0: This is the Oanda Podcast.
1: You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda's senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Ed Moyer in New York. Good afternoon from London, Ed. How are you?
0: Well, thank you for having me.
1: It has been another extraordinary week for global markets, of course, mainly due to the events in the Ukraine. But let's start with the latest on U.S inflation which accelerated to a four decade high last month with rent fuel and food costs climbing even before the invasion of ukraine so in a way these figures won't really tell the story until we know the effect of the rising oil price which we'll talk about later and all the other commodities that we've seen really hike up over the last two weeks
0: very much so. And, and I think everyone had this particular inflation report circled on their calendars. This was supposed to be the peak in inflation. Uh, that was before the, the war in Ukraine happened. And when we got the headline number, 7.9%, uh, it was uh, somewhat surprising. I think a lot of traders were anticipating that 8% handle and uh, still uh, consumer prices at the highest levels in 40 years. Uh, uh, and what you're, you're seeing is uh, widespread food energy, rent, everything is going up. Um, I mean, obviously the energy gasoline, uh, led the way higher. Um, those, uh, seasonally adjusted was up 6.6% from uh, the prior month. Uh, and, uh, I, I think that, um, people, you know, when you're buying your groceries, uh, no one was surprised that those were up 1.4%. Um, but I think the, the, the concern is that, uh, you know, this, you know, obviously won't be the peak. Uh, And uh, right now I think, you know, you're, you're looking at a even hotter uh, March number where you you could see inflation, you know, you know, go up to 8.2 or 8.3%. And uh, I think that uh, you're, you're really going to see that be fueled by, uh, you know, an over 20%, you know, month over month, you know, Jump in gas prices, so it's going to get uglier, uh, and uh, these surging energy costs. Um, while we've seen you know elevated uh, volatility with crude oil, um, I think that um, the key takeaway is that um, a lot of this inflation is going to be sticky, and it's not going to go away when prices do normalize, and that's what's really concerning. Um, you're you're probably going to see that uh, you know when you. You take a look at grocery uh, prices, uh, you know, up eight point six percent in the past year. Uh, that's the most in forty years, and that's really going to, uh, I think, uh, prove to be some troubling for many households. I think you're, you've seen. Just uh, everything become more expensive, clothing, uh, and and I, th- I think that uh, you know the, the the one relief was that you know used cars did not necessarily go up, but I mean, I think everyone that wanted a car by now probably had one, uh, and and some of that could be attributed to the you know semiconductor chip problem again that we're we're, we're once again talking about. So. It, Economists are going to expect these price increases to remain the theme for these next few months. And, you know, until we have an end in sight for the Ukraine crisis, um, you know, inflation is just going to get uglier.
1: And you mentioned that semiconductor chip problem. That surely is only going to get worse because we have spoken out before on this podcast, Ed. Um, You need neon gas, a lot of it in uh, Ukraine uh, for those chips, and even stripping out, as you say, the volatile food and energy costs. The core consumer price index rose by 6.4% on the year. The Fed is widely expected to lift rates next week, which were, amazingly, when you think about it, the first time since 2018. It hopes that that will start to reduce inflation, but bearing in mind a lot of these hikes in the cost of living are down to external events that they really can't control i mean how effective are those rate rises when they come going to be
0: well the fed has been late to the game in tackling inflation and and now we we have this global shock um, that came from the ukraine crisis that is leading many economists to believe that the fed is going to have a gradual approach to uh, removing this accommodation and what this is going to end up doing is, you know, when we're a few months down the road, we could see the Fed be in a position where because of their policy mistake in, in tackling inflation, they might have to be delivering some supersized uh, rate hikes down the road. Um, I, I think right now there's uh, some concerns that you're going to see a little bit of a slowdown in the first and second quarter. And and I think that you're still looking at a strong growth story for the U.S. for this year. And, um if inflation um, does not show um, a, a firm peak um, by the, you know, the middle of the summer and that, you know, a lot of these pricing pressures are starting to improve, you know, the Fed is going to have to become much more aggressive. That's why you're seeing some of these uh, investment banks that were calling for seven rate hikes for the year. They're standing by their argument. They're 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 not a, they're not they're um, not changing uh, their their position because they 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 um, they're abandoning their call for a half point uh, rate increase uh, at, at the uh, next week's meeting but they are anticipating that uh, the fed's going to need to tackle inflation much more aggressively um, once these uh, short-term risks um, ease. And and I think the the Fed is is going to be in a difficult spot in a few months. Right now, this this upcoming meeting is going to be fairly easy. I think no one is questioning them. I think the uh, uh, market has has, well priced in that 25 basis point increase. And uh, for the most part, You'll, they'll probably do that again at the next meeting. Um, so, um, I, but I think you know everyone's going to be fixated on inflation, and um, it, it's going to get uglier, and that's going to you know keep the pressure on the Fed.
1: And Jay Powell has admitted they have to be pretty sensitive in terms of those rate rises. So uh, maybe it won't rise seven times because of the problems for the global economy. I mean, whatever you say about an increased uh, rate possibly leading to lower inflation. How do you control the oil price? It's not possible. Um, if this war gets worse, we could see, uh, you know, some economists have even talked about $200 a barrel, for goodness sake. I and mean, that's unsustainable for a global economy, is it not? I,
0: I, I think 130 to 150 is unsustainable. <laughs> so yes,
1: <laughs> we were there almost earlier in the week, weren't we? We saw a Approaching $130 a barrel, I think it was about $128, was not it? Soaring, as I said, to near record levels. But then pegged back as we enter the final part of this week. Brent Crude, last time I looked, was 109 WTI 105 Why is that the case? Are there hopes that negotiations between Russia and Ukraine might alleviate a worse war than we already have?
0: The uh, geopolitical coverage has been pivotal in what has been driving oil prices and and this week has been a, an interesting one uh, because y- you started the week um with fears that okay we're we're possibly going to see uh that 130 level tested again and you know could could we eventually see that uh you know the you know the because of how tight this oil market is uh will will, will there be a chance that uh you know, we're, we're going to, you know, have another $10 swing higher. There has been a lot of back and forth with these headlines as far as talks. The key headlines for Friday was that uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin saw positive shifts in his country's talks with Ukraine. And it was like risk appetite, you know, came back, dip buyers said, okay, this is this is a good sign. Maybe we'll see a ceasefire and, and you know, crude, obviously, um, you know, Dropped a few dollars off of that, uh, but you know when you take a look at what happened earlier Friday morning, you know Russia continued um, on with their advance with their airstrikes uh, across Western Ukraine, and it looks like some military experts are saying they're repositioning their troops where they could be making another push for uh, the Ukrainian capital of Kiev. So, so I think that you're you're um, you're you're seeing that the markets are becoming a little bit. Unsure as far as how to, to trade all these incremental updates, and and as far as the other key geopolitical risk on the table, uh, Iran nuclear talks. You know the you know over the weekend uh, there was a uh, high level talks, there was potential that we were going to see a breakthrough that did not happen, and uh, you know we're closing out the week where uh, it looks like they're going to pause um, the uh, Iran uh, nuclear negotiations, and and that is. Uh, they made it clear to, to, to tell everyone that it's a pause. There wasn't a setback, but still, that shows you that um, there are some major roadblocks there. So we're finishing the week with oil much lower. Um, you know, we were, you know, high 120s. Now we're, you know, 105, 107 around these levels. And you're, you're, you're trying to see why, why is it lower? And, and the reason oil turned lower was because of fears that you're, you're, you're now having the market price in more demand destruction for crude um, the the global economy um, is not going to need as much crude um, given the global inflation story that we're seeing um, I, I think that the expectations are that um this this uh, this is not going to be uh, there's not going to be a quick resolution to the war in Ukraine, um, and that you're probably going to see uh, um, economic growth really um, get get pummeled here in the the first and probably second quarter, and uh, that is 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 going to I think uh, complicate what happens with uh, with oil prices, um, and we also did have the I. IAE, there's so there's so many uh, energy organizations, but they they released the um, breakdown as far as uh, the tapping of uh, emergency stockpiles, and you can see that there's a coordinated effort to to try to um, limit this uh, oil price. Appreciation that we've been seeing, and 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 I think right now you're you're probably going to see that oil is going to remain uh, persistently volatile, but you're 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 still dealing with a tight market, um, and that even though we, we are now pricing in some demand destruction for crude, um, you know prices should still be supported above hundred dollars, just given the the, the fundamentals and, and, and how the market is positioned, and uh, uh, no, and, and that that will continue to weigh on many economic recoveries.
1: Meanwhile, Ed, the Biden administration has unveiled its long-awaited executive order on cryptocurrency regulation. What does it actually mean for investors?
0: I think the initial uh, takeaway was that, okay, finally, um, we're we're going to see uh, the U.S. government is uh, going to provide more guidelines for for this, uh, growing industry that, uh, that needs it. Um, there, there's, there's been, uh, a lot of, uh, I think interest in, in, in how to, uh, become a better market for the American consumer. Uh, and, and what happened was, um, there's been too many Ponzi schemes. There's been too many, um, um, uh, I think what we, what we're seeing is, uh, Cases of fraud. Um, there's been hacks. There's been a lot of th- a lot of big risks for the American consumer. And what the Biden administration is going to do is um, the, these. I, I think the uh, this study is going to eventually um, come out with some some guidelines that will really help provide much more protections for the consumer. Um, and it will also help address some of the big risks that um, um, are, I think, really um, concerning uh, government officials. And, and I think that uh, you're you're seeing that the uh, the uh, the big the big thing that um, this also paves the way for is um, how the 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 U.S. will go about creating their digital dollar. And that is uh, something they're late to the game. Um, you know, China has um, already <laughs> been up and running with their digital yuan, and, and it, it's uh, it's uh, proven to gain um, um, massive uh, usage. And I think there's been um, some um, extreme benefits with that. And uh, you, you'll you'll see that the US is probably um, a couple years of maybe a few years down the that, you know, away from getting close to launching anything um, as we're, we're still in the early stages. But, you know, U.S. dollars will become di- digitized. And I think that um, that's going to really help the government um, be able to um, in, in the next pandemic or where if people need unemployment insurance, uh, you'll be able to see things instantaneously given to uh, people's digital wallets. And uh, I think that would be something that will uh, be you know, well um, received by by Americans. So I think uh, this is a uh, very positive for the space. But um, as far as what it means for uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum and all these other top coins, it just it means that, um, you know, they're. There could be some big rules that come down the road that might impact stablecoins, and that could deliver a little bit of a shock to uh, uh, cryptos in general. But um, I think for overall, there there is optimism that you'll you'll continue to see this space um, grow and gain momentum.
1: I think the important thing was that the tone of this executive order didn't suggest that the government is against the cryptocurrency industry, more that it actually wants to control it and regulate it more. Um, But the future, I suppose, is still bright uh, for crypto.
0: Very much so. And and that's something we, you know, a a year ago, you had so many um, um, government leaders Talking about how can they shut down Bitcoin, and now uh, they're they're trying to figure out ways to help foster its growth. I think that it's become clear that uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum are driving innovation. And what you'll see is that um, you know people are drawing the comparisons with the internet, but um, you you will see how you know this blockchain technology will really help. Revolutionize so many businesses and and help them become much more profitable, uh, much more efficient um, with with uh, keeping track of inventories, payments, um, and and I think that what you'll see is there is uh, this 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 belief that um, you know you're 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 going to continue to see this um, um, be accepted by many companies. I, I think there's been massive investments already. Um, And and what what this does is um, by the U.S. government providing um, um, a digital currency, you'll, you'll see that that will really help remove a lot of the risk for a lot of businesses, and I think you'll continue to see companies will will try to um how set up their 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 systems to to be able to better uh, work on a blockchain environment so i think there's there's a lot of um excitement here and uh this will probably drive um i think um many new jobs for um the us and uh i think there's a a lot of optimism here that you'll you'll continue to see that um Um, This is going to uh, make it very competitive for U.S. banking and payment systems. But um, I think that uh, in the end, the consumer should win.
1: Very interesting, Ed. Before we let you go, it's been another crazy week, of course. And uh, who knows what lies ahead in the next seven days or so? Of course, we've got the U.S. Fed and the Bank of England uh, next week with their respective uh, announcements. And uh, it's nailed on, isn't it, that both the Fed and the Bank of England will raise interest rates, surely?
0: Yes, they should have a, a coordinated meeting where they just say, we're both raising by 25 basis points.
1: Yeah, it could have been 50, I suppose.
0: Well, yes, true. That will dominate the headlines. Those are the, the, the main events. And what you'll see is uh, there is a lot of data, um, but um, you know none of it will draw as much attention. But uh, for, for for Wall Street, they will pay close attention to u s retail sales, uh, you know Americans are still buying, and the February report should show that. but if we see some you know big downside surprises uh, that is really going to speak to Wall Street that this consumer is perhaps struggling with these inflationary pressures because right now it looks like it 's handling it I mean last week i you know I think on the I said that you know the u s economy could handle. Oil at $130 for I think three months. Like I think, and and I still I still believe that. Uh, but if, if you start to see uh, significant weakness already, uh, before the full impact of the war in Ukraine, um, that will get a lot more uh, jitters on on uh, some of these consumers uh, discretionary stocks. So I think that's going to be uh, an important event also on Wednesday. Um, you you know obviously we're we're everything coverage on Ukraine, you know, there's an extraordinary meeting with NATO defense ministers on uh, Wednesday. Um, there, 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 There's a lot to to, to, to track. Um, um, in addition to the Fed and the BOE, though, we also have a Turkish central bank rate decision. Um, this one uh, is supposed to be a non-event, but you never know with Turkey. Um, they are expected to keep rates steady. Um, and done uh, to finish out the week, um, we will also have a couple more rate decisions, and this is where things could get interesting. Uh, the BOJ is um, no, no change. Uh, I feel, I feel like since we've started the podcast, it's been the BOJ will uh, keep policy unchanged. Um, but the uh, Russian Central Bank is also scheduled to meet, and and that's something you know they they did have that emergency meeting where they uh, did uh, you know double. Interest rates, and what you could see is uh, they they may have to uh, raise rates again, uh, and also they might update, you know, how they're handling their FX curve. So that's that's something that um, will also be close uh, important to follow. Uh, and then also we're 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 going to probably become um, a little bit more closely watching sovereign rating updates. Um, you know that that happens. at uh, typically the end of the week, sometimes uh, you know, right around the, the, the U.S. close or shortly after. Uh, you know, Belgium, Spain, European Union, Greece will will get rating updates. Um, and and uh, I think that you're you're going to see that the uh, the, the markets are are just becoming um, very concerned with uh, how. Um, countries are going to be handling their their deficits and uh, eventually you know you're you're going to start to see some countries continue to get their sovereign ratings downgraded and, and that could be very troublesome for investments in those specific regions
1: okay ed we look forward to speaking to you again very soon have a great weekend
0: thank you you too this is the oanda podcast